So Sarah was 90 years old, Sarah's child. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. For Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and multiply him greatly, and he shall father all princes, and I'll make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. And then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all the poor in his house and bought with his money every male among the men of Abraham's house and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskin that very day as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael his son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, the born of the house, was bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Thank the Lord for his word. Remain indeed be a blessing to us tonight. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we hear people say that there's only two things that are certain in life uh, death and taxes. I've heard that saying before. And we say that, of course, for a number of reasons. We're not always so certain about the future. We've had times in our lives where people have let us down. We've had times in our lives where we've let others down. You can make plans for an event, plans for your day, or plans for your week, and you can't always count on being able to always carry those things out. Sometimes events get uh, canceled because the weather's not cooperating with that. We're not always certain about everything. And we've also seen times in our look in the book of Genesis, in the episode that we devoted to Abraham, or the episode that are devoted to Abraham, uh, that the father of all believers was not always faithful himself. But it only goes to show us that what these episodes are really about is not so much uh, about faithful Abram or Abraham as it is about the faithful God who's made covenant with Abraham, who's made a solemn agreement with Abraham, and all those who are children of faith with him in Christ Jesus. So tonight we see a contrast uh, from what we have just seen in Genesis 16. In Genesis 16, Abram and Sarai are running ahead of God. And we saw that the last time when we do that sort of thing. We've seen that in times past. We just complicate our lives when we do that. But regardless of all that unpredictability that was going on in chapter 16, God is very predictable. We find him faithful. We find him the one on whom we can depend. And as we do that, we find him gracious. He doesn't give up on the promises to Abram, nor on the nations of the earth, because by his grace, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed in the seed of Abram. And he'll be the father of any nation. And it's not because of his doing, 
as we see in this passage again tonight, I pray it's because of the Lord's doing. Not because of works of men, but because the great God had worked in Abram to be called Abraham, and the grace of God had worked then in the nations as a whole through faith. So tonight we're going to be looking at the reaffirmation of God through his covenant. The covenant of grace. God remains faithful to his covenant even when we falter and fail. And where we fail, God prevails in miraculous ways, calling us to himself, confirming that relationship, and doing wondrous things that only he could do in order to make his promises to us in Christ come true. And so in this covenant reaffirmation, we find new names, a new sign, and a new son that's promised. So we see God's covenant reaffirmed, first of all, in new names. In the days of Abraham, it was customary for nations to enter into covenant uh, with each other, and in so doing, the predominating nation, the prevailing nation, would change the name of the ruler who was conquered with whom he would establish a solemn covenant agreement. And in our passage, we see that practice performed by God Almighty on the gracious ways of both Abram and Sarah. First, Abram has his name changed to Abraham, and then Sarai to Sarah. And they both seem to speak to the future rather than the past. Abraham means exalted father. And that might have been a name that pointed to his father, Sarah. Well, Sarai speaks of being a princess. Abram has a name changed to father of many nations, or father of a multitude. While Sarah's name is changed, and it means uh, that of a queen. And both of those changes appear to speak to what God is promising both of them by way of God's almighty power. They speak to the, the royal aspect of the promise that God has made regarding their descendants. It speaks to the fact that Abraham will be a father not just of a nation called Israel, but a spiritual father of many nations which with the Jews will come to faith by the grace of God, under the promises of God in Jesus Christ. It speaks not only to grace, but it speaks also to the lordship which God exercises before him, with whom he comes in covenant relationship. And that shouldn't surprise us, I Christians, if we, if we understand ourselves with detail, you know, that's how God operates, right? For Jesus Christ, he's both Savior and he's Lord. He comes to us in grace, he comes to us in lordship. And as he does that, as he speaks to us about the lordship which God exercises in covenant relations, it speaks to the changes that come to those who are in covenant with God. No longer a law to oneself, but unto the Word of God. It speaks to the changes that God brings, the saving God, a God who elects 
a God who views himself as the savior of his people. A God who views himself as the deliverer from bondage. A God who saves us from our desire to go back to Egypt, back to bondage, as was seen in previous chapters. He's a God who provides freedom by calling us his own. The name changes seek also to the change of, of one who owns no inheritance. Abraham didn't. To one who will, will own the land promised. Even more than that, the Apostle Paul would say in Romans 4.13 that Abraham, when he was given the covenant, was being promised to be an heir of the world. In Romans 4.13. These changes of names speak to us about a change of behavior. For Abraham is not just to walk in any way, but he's called here in our passage to walk in God's way. Not as his own person, but as, as part of God's holy people, chosen by grace, chosen by God. It, it speaks about the change that comes from the impotence of barrenness that has been the hallmark of what's been going on with Abraham and Sarah. This impotence of barrenness that has been his to consider for so many years as Abram. To now a change to life that God Almighty provides and promises. And through whom a king would come and rule the nation, Jesus Christ. And it just reminds us when we think about ourselves as both in covenant with God, under certainly the Almighty God, the gracious God, and the Lord of all, but the covenant God. That when we think about being in covenant with God, changes come. Because we have become like Peter would say in his first epistle, we are a people who didn't have mercy, now have mercy. We're people who were without God, without hope in the world, and now we have it. We're people who were once children of wrath, we're now people and children of God. And we're a people who have been called to a new life, who've been promised a new name, a lasting name, and we have it in the person of Jesus Christ, who has the name above every name. It's not the name that we made for ourselves, the world seeks to do, but it's the name that was given to us by God, as followers of Christ. And that speaks to the hope and life and promise, and, and promise is fulfilled. And when we're under that covenant, as we understand ourselves under that covenant, we're given a new name unto life, but also a new way of life to live. Paul's going to walk before God in all our days. It's a great way of looking at our, our situation. That in essence, we've been given a new name, a lasting name, a name unto life, but also a new way of life to live. Well, there was new names that were given to Abram and Sarah that would make a difference for them and certainly makes a difference for us when we're in Christ to recognize that we're under, when we're under covenant with God, changes come and even greater changes are ahead for us. But there was also a time for a new sign. Earlier, God used the fire pot as that sign of the covenant, but now the sign is different 
That sign was outside of Abraham to assure him about God's faithfulness. But this sign would be a sign on Abraham. Circumcision. And that's, of course, a rich symbol we know. Circumcision, we, we come to understand this more clearly in the New Testament age, thankfully. But when we think of circumcision, we think about the shedding of blood, don't we? In our day and age, we don't require that bloodshedding any longer in the Christian faith, because Christ has shed his blood once for all for our salvation and fellowship with God. But circumcision was that outward sign of cutting off and cleansing. And in itself, it doesn't cleanse inwardly any more than baptism does. See, the inward sign of this cleansing and putting or cutting off would have been the circumcision of the heart, the putting off of the sinful nature, the Apostle Paul would tell us in Colossians 2.11, the cleansing of the heart, the putting off of that old nature, uh, that sinful nature. We're sanctified that way. We're set apart by way of the Spirit of Christ, thanks to the work of Christ. That's the circumcision of the heart. And so circumcision, then, like baptism, what it does is it points us in the direction of God's grace to which we are called to respond in faith. It points us in the direction of God's grace to give new hearts. Circumcision was done at a place of focal attention on man's ability to have children, to procreate, to have his name extend. And apart from God's grace at work in Jesus Christ, who was cut off, we hear, from the land of the living, we would be cut off from life for not keeping covenant. The blood of this covenant would then be on our hands. But Christ, we confess, has taken that blood upon himself for us. At least that's what we're called to confess. If we fail to rejoice then in the blood shed by Christ, to appreciate that, to value it greater than gold or silver, so that we can be in covenant with God, then the blood does remain on us. That's a dreadful way to live. It's a dreadful way to face the future, to face eternally, particularly for those who have received the sign of the covenant. The sign of circumcision was to be done, we read in our passage, on all the males of the family. I mean, it was inclusive, wasn't it? It reminded the family of faith that God makes a covenant with believers and everyone in one's household. It, it didn't leave anybody out. It, the passage is clear about that. It wasn't just the, the people that were, uh, in, who we might say were blood, but everybody else that was in that household, servants included. And as we mentioned, circumcision is, is no longer the sign of the covenant, but the blood of Christ shed once for all. But God's covenant, as we read here, is an everlasting covenant. 
And so the signs may change, but the covenant remains. And so that's why our children, in the spirit of God's covenant ways, it hasn't changed. That's why our children continue to receive the sign of the covenant, baptism. We anticipate that in a couple of weeks that we're going to be uh, witnessing infant baptisms again as signs, as signs of the covenant are given. And it is a sign that continues to teach the children, the boys and girls, even as the parents continue to teach the children. It, it teaches that covenant children, that there are covenant children called to appreciate, to rejoice in, to embrace the covenant mercies of God in Jesus. And as part of that covenant, then, we're also called to be different from people who are not part of that covenant. And it's not because we're so wonderful, but it's because God is in his mercy. And so we're called throughout our lives, then, in that manner of, of covenant mercy, of receiving the covenant sign, we're called throughout our lives to rejoice in God's mercy in Christ, his covenant mercy. It's not our job to ignore that covenant God and to ignore that covenant that he's made with us or to act as if it no longer exists. It's not our job to ignore it when, uh, when we have children and say, well, God doesn't have a covenant with my children, at least not until they get older and they make some sort of faith commitment. The children of the circumcised were supposed to be circumcised eight days. It's eight days. Uh, seven days plus one, which would speak to the new order, to the new life, to the new creation, to the newness that God has with his people according to his covenant grace. And the sign of the covenant carried with it a significance. That parents were not supposed to ignore when it came to their children, because these children, along with their parents, were called to faith, obedience to the, to the God of promise. They were all supposed to rejoice in the covenant mercies of God through the blood of Christ. And if we don't appreciate that mercy, then we won't know that mercy. Even if we've received the sign of that mercy. So God's covenant is reaffirmed via that new name and a new sign. And, and then we hear about a new son. Abraham, Abraham is promised a new son. And this one won't be like Ishmael. Born of Hagar and of natural means. God's going to accomplish something completely new. Abraham knows that this is a miraculous claim. God Almighty. Earlier he goes to his knees in reverence, and now he goes to his knees to, his knees to laughter. Which, of course, is what Isaac's name is going to mean. Abraham says, well, laughter, 
Still a child before to a man who's 100 years old, to a woman who's 90. In other words, in his day and age, who would be able to do that? No man has that power. So God, why not have Ishmael live before you? Let him be the child of the promise. There he is. But as we've seen, though Ishmael will know a measure of blessing from the Lord, it's not going to be through this natural means that God would bring about his promises to Abraham. And the lesson that we learn from this passage then at this point is that the promise of God comes through the miraculous son. The promise of God comes through the miraculous son. It comes through the son born of miraculous means. It is the son that is born of God. It's the son that is born of God's grace, God's power. It is by the means of God who brings about life from where there was no life. Not by the will of man, not by the will of the flesh, by, by God. God's covenant grace and faithfulness are going to be the means by which the promises to Abraham of life and inheritance and a relationship of covenant blessing will come. Amazing grace. Otherwise, otherwise it would be by means of human means, sinful means, means that are not God's way, uh, but by ways concocted by men. No, it would be by the Lord Almighty, El Shaddai, God Almighty, that this would happen. And that's why God needs to be trusted. And that's why he needs to be loved. And that's why he is to be served. And why he alone is to be praised. By the grace and truth of the covenant God, we're made children of God. It is Jesus Christ, the miraculous Son, who was born, not by the will of man, but by the will of God, who brings covenant blessing to our lives, life and blessing and inheritance and communion and relationship that we have with God where we're his people and he's our God. And that's what we're to appreciate, and that's what we're to trust, and that's what we're to love, and that's why we're to serve this, this God, and that's why he's the one who prays. And it reminds us here as well that the only way that we can be considered children of Abraham ourselves today is because of the grace of God at work. And it's not because we're physical descendants of Abraham. There are many who can call themselves physical children of Abraham, Jewish and Arabic people alike. But, but, but what's more important for us is not to be known as physical children of Abraham. Many cannot be known by that. We, I would dare say none of us here can be known by that. I may be wrong, but I would doubt that any of us would be known that way. But, but that's not important. What's important is to be known as spiritual children of Abraham, who have been brought into his family of faith through the grace of God and the profession of Jesus Christ. 
And even today, even today, there are those who have received the outward mark of the covenant as been Ishmael, as been Esau, as been many in Israel. But, but our boast is not to be in our physical heritage. Such a boast is to make a name for ourselves and to, to boast in ourselves. What God has told us to do when He marked us in covenant is to rejoice. Not in ourselves, but to rejoice in grace. So that by His grace in Christ, we can be known, not, not just as mere physical children of Abraham, the father of believers, but the children of God the Father in heaven. Because it's only by that grace of the blessing of these, of these families, whether it is as a spiritual child of Abraham or as spiritual children of God, that it can be ours to enjoy. My friends, a new name, a new sign, a new son, their features of God's covenant reaffirmation with Abraham. And in our day, that covenant has also been reaffirmed. The name that's above every name has, has come so that we can have a new and lasting name in Him by grace and not by us making our own name for our own selves. A new sign of baptism has come to us that speaks to us about the fulfilled covenant that we have in Christ who shed His blood once for all. A new son of miracles has come, Jesus Christ, so that we might rejoice in the promises that God gives by his grace and power. For these things we're called to, to trust, love, and serve, and praise the covenant God in Jesus Christ as believers, as children of believers, and as those who are called to faith in the covenant God, a covenant God. When we think about thinking that there's only death and taxes that we can depend on, oh, hardly. Because when we have faith in the covenant, then we have a faith and we have a God on whom we can always depend. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond in prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, we look to you again tonight and we are we marvel at what we're able to accomplish as the Lord and Savior that you are in Jesus Christ. And as you bring about and accomplish so much uh, for us and reaffirm and confirm and encourage us in the faith once delivered to the saints, uh, we thank you that where we are, find, we find ourselves to be, in, be less than what we ought to be, um, and we have to confess that we are not always dependable, uh, that we can find in you dependability, and that you will accomplish everything by your amazing grace, and that you not only confirm that to Abraham once upon a time, uh, but you continue and have done so even more fully, Lord, not in Isaac, uh, not merely in a name change uh, that Abraham needs to know, but in the name that is above every name, and the miraculous Son that Jesus Christ came to be. And we're thankful that we see then that that blood that was shed long ago in circumcision no longer needs to be 
in our day because Christ has accomplished all of that. But Lord, may we not take for granted your covenant mercies. May we not underappreciate them. May we trust them even more so this day. And may we love you for them. May we rest ourselves in you. And may we take a great joy in praising you because you have even all the more confirmed your covenant mercy in this New Testament age through Jesus Christ. And so may we find that as we live lives uh, where some things are oftentimes uncertain for us, and we can't always depend on others, and frankly we can't always, not always can everybody depend on us, we know that we can always depend on you because you have made that so clear to us in the coming of Jesus. May we take that to heart each day and may we accept our prayers for the sake of